Welcome to the Mountain Podcast Home Study. For the next eight weeks, pastors Tim and Samuel will be exploring an interactive home study on marriage and family. So gather your families as you listen to this week's study. Okay, welcome back to the Family Podcast, uh, where we're talking and we're doing a, an eight-week series uh, that's really meant to partner with you to study it at home with your spouse and with your family, um, or as an individual preparing and or helping you uh, with your family growth as a father, a mother, son, or daughter. Uh, so if you missed the other seven episodes, you can check those out on our podcast stream. Um, it's in the timeline there, and you can find all those. There's also a marriage one uh, that Tim has been leading up. Tim Rowland's amazing. And today I want to talk about uh, anger, uh, and I want to uh, communicate and to teach some, from some scripture that will, uh, I believe, help uh, really get an understanding of, of the role uh, that anger plays in our family in terms of destruction, in terms of chaos, in terms of disconnect. I want to speak to some of those places so we can try and identify a more peaceful, more loving, a more connected family unit. Uh, no matter what age uh, your kids are or whether you don't have kids, you just have a spouse, no matter what it looks like, um, it, there's, a, this, there's this dynamic of anger that is very impactful to our relationship. Uh, so it shouldn't go untaught or undiscussed. Uh, and then, so the first part of this will be a teaching from scripture. And then the second part of this will be a discussion. Uh, and I've got Tim Rowland with me today, uh, ready to discuss it. Um, but we'll start off in Proverbs 29, 11. Uh, and I'm going to quote a couple of scriptures here um, that really kind of give the correlation of anger and foolishness. Uh, and in Proverbs 29, 11, it says, fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. Ecclesiastes 7.9 says, Do not be quickly provoked in your spirit, for anger resides in the lap of fools. Proverbs 14.29 says, Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. And these three scriptures, as well as honestly several others in Proverbs and beyond, speak to the real danger and the real uh, damage that anger has uh, an opportunity to have in our life. Um, and when you go on later on into the New Testament, Ephesians 4, 26 through 27 says in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. And that's in Ephesians 4, 26 through 27 again. And so you can kind of see these two scripture dynamics point to the destructive tendencies and the pattern that anger usually has in your life. It usually leads to foolish decisions and or destruction and chaos and and um and it tends to if you have a lot of anger in your life and it dominates your emotions in your heart, it'll tend to cause you to act foolishly and so when you see Ephesians say in your anger, do not sin, do not let the sun go down on your anger, do not give the devil a foothold, it's actually immediately addressing. Uh, a really natural tendency we have. Like as human beings, when we feel threatened in some way, anger rises. Um, and sometimes it's for, there's so many different reasons, but it, sometimes it's because it's our protector. 
Sometimes we've seen it's created some version of breakthrough for us through hard times and it motivated us. There's a lot of different reasons why anger manifests or comes up in each one of our lives and hearts. Um, but when you see Ephesians point to what to do with anger, it's meant to understand how to manage this emotion that comes from and or is triggered from different places. So when you allow anger to be a dominant expression, you go to sleep with it, you wake up with it, you never resolve it in your heart. You don't forgive those who have hurt you or caused anger in your life. And you just allow it to fester and stay and remain, uh, maybe for reasons that you've seen are beneficial, like short-term success and such, um, or motivation in some way, in some industry, then it actually causes a good deal of chaos in your life. And it ends up creating foolish behavior tendencies, and it, and it really does exalt folly. Um, and it exalts foolish mindsets and behavior over a long period of time. It also eats away at relationships and it decays connection. Um, if I get angry with my wife um, or my kids um, and I go to resolve that anger, then I'm able to repair connection. I'm able to find understanding with patience and a, a calm mind and a, and, a, and a greater connection to the heart of God. But if I remain angry with my wife, if I remain angry with my kids, the heart of God, the peace of the peaceable nature of God's heart, his loving nature for my wife and kids will be really hard for me to access. So the reason I wanted to actually discuss this and teach a little on this and share some scriptures is because as parents, I believe we can really notice and see that there is a real tendency for anger to find its way into our family for different reasons. And you've got different personality types, whether it be your spouse or your kids. And my kids all get angry for different reasons. Um, and depending on their personality type, anger flares up for different reasons. Um, and so when you see the role of parents nurturing and fostering kids, that's the first thing I want to focus on. It's that as parents, we ought to learn to be really calm in the face of danger or in the face of anger. And so when you see your, your kids venting their rage, in, the, in Proverbs it says, the wise bring calm in the end. We talked about wisdom in some of the earlier episodes, but when your kids are in a place of anger, um, sometimes it's not the worst thing to allow them to express what's in their heart. And learning and understanding that your role as a parent at times is to bring wisdom in that space as you hear them and as you, you hear that vent take place, and then you're able to bring a calm from your place of anchored, steady, peaceful wisdom. And this paradox, this paradigm shift can really be felt. I've experienced it on both ends. When somebody was calm, somebody was loving, somebody was also listening and willing to understand where I was coming from, then I was able to hear their wisdom and calm was brought to that space in my life. It taught me a couple things. One, how to be like them in that situation, which was calm which was that anger was not necessary in order for me to be successful or for me to break through. I was able to see that wisdom could bring peace and wisdom could bring calmness and my anger wasn't a, a necessary tool anymore. And I believe this is a common pattern we should set with our kids. And we should be willing to hear them through many different foolish ideas in their anger 
while also understanding that at some point in that conversation, wisdom will be able to be delivered and it'll bring a calm. But premature wisdom delivery and cutting them off and stopping them or even confronting them and saying, no, don't say that. That's a bad thing to confess with your mouth is sometimes not letting the, the person grow and understanding like, oh, wow, my anger led me to say foolish things, to, to want to do foolish things. And that really loving, wise person heard me, wasn't intimidated by it, and knew that wisdom would create peace that anger could not. And so you really do trust that the power of God inside of you, the wisdom of God inside of you as a parent, will actually speak louder than that temporary place of anger that wants to lead to foolish behavior or foolish violence or foolish curses and things of that nature. So when you see these things take place, you understand that there, isn't, there is a time frame I would encourage you to partner with your kids on, um, that if you can resolve it in the day and before somebody sleeps on it, it is a really helpful thing. It doesn't mean that you have to resolve all of your ideological differences on something, but if you can repair the anger and the resentment and the unforgiveness or the bitterness about something before resting, that can be a really helpful thing. I've done this with my wife. I've done this with my kiddos, where you, you really want to, before you button up that day, if you can, resolve it and let go of the anger on your end and ask for forgiveness and and encourage your kiddos to let go of the anger on their end. And then you can pick up in the morning or the next day to try and figure out some of the differences, some of the things you've got to work out um, without anger and not needing anger to be a motivation for resolve and reconciliation of ideas. So when you see these things, it's, it's a real strong encouragement that anger will come, but when it does come, be quick to try and First of all, on your end, be quick to try and process it and let it go. Forgive, allow a conversation between you and God or you a wise counselor to talk it through and get to a place where you're able to get past your anger and resolve it. Um, these are really helpful things, especially if you can do them before the sun goes down, before you go to sleep on it, because there's a real tendency uh, for us to... Um, really want to hold on to our anger for different reasons. But I want to encourage you on your end and in your instruction with your kiddo, create an environment that isn't intimidated by anger, but also doesn't want to hold on to anger for longer periods. Being quick to resolve these things as far as the anger goes and working on the other aspects. Uh, in psychology or in like the internet, if you do some research, you'll see that the reasons for anger are being threatened or attacked, frustrated or powerless. And or being invalidated and treated unfairly or not being respected. Um, and when you see these different places in your life, I encourage you to recognize your pattern for anger and begin to work with God on those things. If it's because you feel threatened in something and you feel insecurity and you lash out with anger to defend or to protect that area, begin to not only look, work with God on how to remedy the anger once it comes, but begin to work with God on how to resolve those sources of anger, those trigger points of anger, so that you will no longer feel threatened in those ways. Um, the Bible talks about the Lord being a strong tower, refuge in time of need. Ultimately, I believe that we can find great refuge in God, and that will cure and that will eliminate many different points of anger where we'll flare up in those areas. We can grow out of our trigger points of anger 
by finding greater and greater maturity in our residency with God and our refuge in God. So you don't always have to have the same triggers. They don't always have to be as intense as they are. You can grow to find safety in your identity in God and remove the need for certain things to be protected that really are outside of your control. If you get angry because you can't control people, then a good source of freedom for you would be for you to learn to not have to control people for you to feel safe. There is a way, and you can find that way in God. And uh, recognizing these things is so important. Recognizing your trigger points, recognizing what causes you to be angry, and remedying them or reconciling those spaces with God. Okay. That's where I'm at and partner with your, your spouse, partner with your kiddos on it. And you might have to really stay patient and calm as they uh, flare up. Uh, and sometimes even the very conversation about anger causes anger. Hey, I noticed you're angry. And then there's an anger outburst. Uh, and I wanted to bring Tim in at this point for us to discuss just what this kind of journey and partnership looks like one for ourselves with God, but also with our yeah. family. And how have you noticed for yourself, this journey, and you're, then with your family. You're describing the early years of our marriage. My, my wife used to come and say, like, you look mad. <laughs> and I'd be like, I'm not mad. That's just my face. <laughs> well, I feel like you're mad. And then like the third or fourth time she'd ask me, I'd get angry. <laughs> I'm not mad. Well, now I am. And I, it was always her fault. Yeah. But what I didn't realize is I carried a deep root of anger. Hmm. And I think uh, we don't recognize how, what a seductive emotion anger is. Hmm. Because if I'm feeling fear and anger rises up as a result of fear, I don't feel fear anymore. Yeah. It protects me from fear. Men are more attracted to anger more quickly because there's this adrenaline wash you get when you get really angry and yeah. you feel invulnerable. Yeah. Like you get so mad, you feel like you're bulletproof and invincible. You're not. I mean, no. it's a lie. But <laughs> all those negative emotions are washed away and all you're feeling is the power of anger. It's a power emotion. So I had... Uh, in my life, I made an agreement with anger as a very young child. Mm -hmm. You know, I had an older uh, sibling that was a bully, uh, so yeah. much older than me that I had no way to, you know, I could never win. And anger at some point got them to back off of me. And I learned very young, hey, if I get mad enough, nobody will mess with me. Yep. And that's awesome on the playground, maybe, or in the street if you're throwing hands uh, for a while until, you know, it all comes crashing down. But when you're trying to run a, manage a family, Build your marriage, parent your children, work in ministry. That root of anger is really destructive. Yeah. So it was something that I tried to deny, but it was with me because I'd accepted it so early as a protector. Yeah. Yeah. You see this a lot. And in, in, in my younger years, anger was used as fuel yeah. in competition. So instead of learning to get past those points and triggers of anger, all I really learned to do was to focus it. To use it as coal in my fire of motivation. It helps you win. It does. Yeah. It does. And I would get angry in a game and then my energy would spike through the roof and I would yeah. just be able to go and go and go and go. Um, and initially it seems like it's a successful approach because for yeah. you, it caused a degree of safety. You're able to fend off potential bullies and such or those that would take advantage of you. For me, it led to victory. Right. Or glory being seen on a court. It's like, wow, look at that. That's amazing. Um, but ultimately, it really tears away at the fabric of your being and it, and it causes so much damage in your own being. Yeah. Uh, in the long term effects of it, it is an irreconcilable relationship and love expression. 
like it hurts in family units. Yes. It hurts in marriages and, and it hurts in all of the ways that are, I think the most meaningful. And so it might look like at first it's like, Oh, I lack power now. Yeah. How did you cross that bridge? Once you recognize like, Oh no, I don't have this power source anymore. Well, I recognize that the, the benefit was a lie. The benefit I thought I was receiving from allowing anger such a large place in my life. First of all, the revelation of that I had made such a deep agreement because, you mm-hmm. know, I would, I didn't sign a contract. It was a <laughs> split second in time yeah. where I got super mad and I got out of a situation that I, I felt unsafe in. Yeah. So in that split second, my heart grabbed a hold of, Hey, this worked. Mm-hmm. So as an adult, I had, when God revealed to me, Hey, you, you love the anger. Like it, you're going to anger for protection more than you're coming to me for so that revelation was like, oh God, I don't want that. And it was also, you know, it was a confirmation of what, what my wife had been trying to tell me through the first years of our marriage that, you know, from time to time, she's like, you just look mad. Like, <laughs> you just look mad. Yeah. Like, and I was like, that's my face. Well, it's my face <laughs> because I was carrying this, this weight of anger. It's just underneath <laughs> the surface. You know, it wasn't always out. I could smile. I could be friendly. I could be personable, mm-hmm. but just beneath the surface. I mean, if you poke me in the right spot, it was going to come out. Yeah. Um, you know, we always say that when the hand comes out, when I start talking with my hand, like in a chopping motion, <laughs> then that's like, oh, the switch is flipped. <laughs> it's like I, the Buzz Lightyear hand. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. And I'm making my points punctually with my hand. Yeah. Yeah. She, she didn't like the hand. So, but, but when I realized, hey, I've made this agreement. And I was like, okay, God, I don't want that there. And then I had to go back and unravel mm. all the ways that I had leaned on anger instead of going to the Lord. For those. Mm. I, I think it's interesting. Proverbs says, go from the presence of an angry person, lest you become like them yeah. and endanger your soul. Mm-hmm. In other words, you can learn behavior. Like um, I remember in seventh grade, I picked up a new friend and he was just kind of a, he was an all around jerk. <laughs> and after about two weeks, my parents were like, yeah, no, you can't hang out with that kid. Yeah. Because I was becoming like him. Yeah. I was starting to sound like him. I was starting to act like him. And they were like, yeah, no, no. <laughs> so in scripture, God is telling his kids, look, this is something, if someone is identified by their anger, that's not something you want to partner with because that'll rub off on you. You'll pick that up. You'll start acting in that way. Yeah. You're going to, that's what the reflection of your life is going to be. Like you'll empower each other mm-hmm. in this destructive process yeah. and anger. I think, uh, you know, you see in scripture, God gets angry. You know, there are certain things that justifiably make us angry. Yeah. angry. Like when we see injustice, yeah. you know, when, when there's great harm that is caused anger comes up. But I think, Few and far between are we taught how to manage that anger. Yeah. Like, okay, I'm legit. This is legitimate anger that I'm feeling, but I'm not just going to give in and let anger take the the wheel. Yeah. It's not going to be driving. I'm going to say, okay, I'm angry. I feel like there's this injustice or this wrong. Okay, God, what, what does it look like mm-hmm. in this situation for me to manage this in a godly way? Yeah. What do you want from me in this situation? What does love say about this anger? Yeah. And in the beginning stages, when I was first trying to unravel my anger, not, I would, when I would feel the anger come up like I had in the past, I would stop and say, okay, God, what's that tied to? Why does, why do I feel this strongly? Yep. Is there a wound? Is there a fear? Is there, you know, what am I feeling threatened or intent? Like I just started, I became a detective Mm -hmm. in my own heart to figure out where this was coming from. That's really good because, and I've always thought it was really interesting because when I look up what to do with anger Mm -hmm. and I like to look at like non-scriptural, non-biblical 
But the, what's funny is that a Go lot of like psychological or non-biblical responses on anger management are like the very cliche, like counting, breathing, uh, and things like that, which, which yeah. if you've ever tried them, like they're very much band-aid yeah. to what is the true remedy of anger, which is to go deep and yeah. identify it. Yeah. Cause in a moment, if you catch and get control of your anger and you don't do something crazy, like, okay, great. I'm, I'm glad you didn't do something super damaging, but ultimately you haven't solved anything. You mean stuffing emotions deep down inside yeah. doesn't really help. Yeah. And that's a lot of those things is just like getting control in the moment, but we got to go beyond just okay, I've got an anger problem. I got to get control of it so I don't do bad things. Cool. Find those co tools. Great. Awesome. But go beyond that and go even deeper so that there's a transformative act taking place. And you've got to discover where, the, where this trigger or this threat point is coming from so that you can resolve the threat. Because if you're getting that angry and that big and that physical or that verbal, it's right. because you're the little man inside of you is like, oh no. Yeah. It's panic. It's panic. Like, the world is ending. We've got to grab for control right now. Yeah. And, and you know, your conscious mind might not be able to understand how scared you are inside. Right. But there's a little guy in there that is terrified. Yeah. And yet you got to find out what's happening. You got to really explore and go deep. You know, go to the root of the problem is one way some people say it. Search and explore. You should be a detective in your heart. There's a lot of different ways people will slice it up. Right. And, you know, a lot of people kick the cliche around like, oh, what? I got to talk about my childhood. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yes. I mean, that's a, that can be a helpful way to identify root causes. Yeah. It's not all your childhood. Sometimes it's just understanding even in like current moments and times like, okay, yeah, maybe it roots back to your childhood, but also, Understanding like, oh, I got angry when that person challenged me. Yeah. Right? I remember on the basketball court, um, I was like really getting free from a lot of competitiveness and like this just crazy automatic competitive thing that was super cutthroat. And the first wave was like learning to lose. I'd get angry when I'd lose. I was like, okay, I got to get, I got to get past that. Why am I angry when I lost? Okay, well, I'm angry because it means there's less significance on me. Right. I, 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 my identity was wrapped up in winning. Mm -hmm. And so like, okay, I recognize those things. I begin to like, honestly, I begin to confess those things. Yeah. Say, okay, God, Good. like these are in me and I confess, like I'm, please forgive me. I, I, I see these are part of my fabric. And I began to literally get deliverance on just like, okay, God, I give it to you. And like, I ugh, cast my cares upon the Lord. I begin to give him those things that define me and then the next wave was like it wasn't just that because i got past that the only other point of anger that would come up in sports was like when somebody would challenge me and when they would challenge me on a personal level like they'd tell me i'm garbage or they'd get in my face and something they'd really try and challenge me disrespect yeah then they would disrespect me then all calm would go out the window it was just like they are a piece of meat to be destroyed and crucified and crushed and all of my like mercy grace love as a christian as a pastor would just this is like 10 or 12 years ago now but it would go out the window and i'd do things that later on i'd go oh my gosh that's not a, that's not like jesus not that's not the spirit of christ and i realized that it was another layer of my identity rooted in a superiority yeah. an elitism i'm better than you and i found peace in that 
I found in those situations when someone would come with an accusation or question my ability or my, you know, whether my ability, my integrity, my worth, there was such a deep rooted fear in me that that might be true. Yeah. That I would get angry and argue like to the nth degree why that's not true all the time inside fearing that might be true. Yeah. yeah. And no one can ever know. <laughs> so it was, it was that fear of being discovered for me. Yeah. I, you know, I felt like you know, they're probably right, but no one can know that. Yeah. Like that can't be my identity. That can't be my, <laughs> no one will know this. <laughs> yes. So anger would come and help me to fight them off and, and argue yeah. them, you know, out of their proposition so that I could walk away, go and see, I know what I'm doing. Yeah. But inside I'm like, I don't, <laughs> I'm sure I don't. <laughs> there, there's this interesting, I would go through certain litmuses and certain exercises that helped me mentally uh, one of which when i would identify these places of like oh i fear this i would allow myself to fully feel and fully like manifest like okay i fear i'm not enough and then i'd go with jesus and go okay jesus what if i wasn't what that look like? like yeah what would that feel like what would my life look like what would it mean ultimately yeah go to the the final logical conclusion of that uh-huh. proposition and surrender it. Yep. And that it helped so much. Yeah. And I saw it as like the Lord was able to consume that fear, consume that root of yeah. of rejection, that root of whatever the fear root was. And I saw that when I was able to allow it to fully manifest in my heart and mind and go, wow, that's the fullest of it. <sighs> okay. Take some deep breaths and okay, God, what if it was? Right. Okay. And when you surrender those things, ahead of time yeah. that when they come up and when they occur, like you don't lose your peace over it because you've already resolved. It's been reconciled in yeah. your heart and your mind. And I think that's where a lot of times we as Christians, especially if we're leaning on a strong um, faith message. Yeah. Like I, I, some years ago started a practice of I, the worst possible thing that the enemy could torment me with, make fear, make anger come up. Mm-hmm. I would do that very thing. I'd kind of rehearse, okay, what would it look like? What would it mean if that were to happen? you know, the death of a loved one, the, the failure of a dream, you know, people do reject me. Like I'm afraid they might reject me. I, what would that look like? And I would just explore every possible Avenue. And then I would take it to the Lord and say, God, this, I don't want this to happen. Like this isn't my desire, yeah. but I'm going to surrender it to you. So if it goes that way, it's not going to knock me off course. Like yeah, I, I can peace remain in it. peace. Mm-hmm. And people think that if you do that, like you're just giving up. No, yeah. I'm still contending in faith. Yeah. You know, for victory, for overcoming, for, you know, for accepting, whatever it is. But if it's like, it's like uh, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the fire, mm-hmm. our God is able to save us. But even if he doesn't, like their faith wasn't shaken either way. Yeah. If God came through or God didn't come through, they still had faith. Yeah. You know, however God wants to do it. So it's that sort of heart. It's that sort of mindset. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes we're so afraid of, and this is the, the fear of full surrender to God in your life. What if he does something I don't like? What if he doesn't do the <laughs> thing I really want him to do? And that's where sometimes it, yeah. it's hard to let go of anger because anger promises something. Mm-hmm. You'll get what you want. Yeah. Well, no, you won't. And you stay in charge in your mind. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's really powerful when you begin to think about even the way Jesus surrendered control. Yeah. And this, like, he had to wrap his head around it. Like going up to the cross, he had to have conversation with God, which is like, okay, your will, yeah. you know? And like, 
he could he knew it was coming he could and he didn't want to do it yeah like he did but he didn't a hundred percent and like this is i think a beautiful image right that toil is a beautiful image of us embracing the full worst possible outcome yeah. and embracing with God and like being like, okay, that even that is not the destruction of my soul with you. Yeah. Thus I find my refuge in you. They may take my body. They may fillet it. They may disrepute. They may ruin my reputation. I may be destroyed in every way, but I'll still find haven in you. Yeah. Yeah. It's a powerful thing when a man can face full defeat with the Lord. Yeah, because then there's no threat that lands like, what are you going to intimidate me with if I've already surrendered it all? Yeah. You know, what are you going to take from me if I've already surrendered it all? You can't mm-hmm. rip me off. You can't scare me into doing what you want me to do. I've already surrendered all of this. Yeah. Like with the Lord, I've released it to God. So there's not, there's no mechanism of leverage left to manipulate or control me Yeah. because I've already surrendered it all. And yeah. that's a scary place to walk. It feels like dying. Mm-hmm. And in my case, anger had been, I was in my late thirties when we started taking this journey and, uh, it went back to probably six years old or younger that I had picked up anger. So it was a lifelong companion Yeah, that you're just saying, I don't want you here anymore. Yeah. And you have to figure out what does life look like without that? Mm-hmm. Well, there was a whole lot more peace, <laughs> but there's, there's a fear. Mm-hmm. Like, what does it look like if I let this go? I don't yeah. know. Because yeah. I've never lived that way. Yeah. And that's that step of faith you have to take that God yeah. has something better on the other side. You can't get past the surrender. Yeah. Like even the in Peter, it talks about submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee. Right. Well, victory begins with full submission. Right. And the same thing with victory over fear to me, it begins with full submission. Yeah. Fully surrender to God. And you, a dead man can't really fear death anymore. Exactly. It's just so powerful when you choose to die to yourself. The it eliminates so much danger. Yeah, nothing left threat, to lose. Nothing left to lose. It's yeah. a powerful image. It's a powerful place to get to, but it almost it, it's almost against the human tendency. Yeah, we have this real psychological need to self preserve to preserve the ego to preserve these things. And so you, you, it's like this paradox we've got to introduce in our families. We've got to introduce in them. We're, we're so quick to teach like being the best, being the best student, getting the scholarship. We glorify and we praise being above and better than everyone else. Right. Uh, naturally, it's a part of our systems. Like who got the best grades? Who got the awards? Who got MVP? Who won the games? Who got a banner? It's just like we create all these glory schemes and. Um, and oftentimes we don't teach our kids or create a, an environment in our family that's really comfortable with failure. And that even right. embraces the surrender that is a spiritual journey. And it's like we, when we get to a certain age, we're like, why didn't I learn this as a kid? <laughs> like I learned to like try and be the best, but I never learned to just lose. Yeah. And I, I think because we're looking at the wrong result. Yeah. Because if you look at the cross, it looks like the greatest failure in history. Like God came down and ended up dying on a cross. Yeah. <laughs> Mission failed. Mm-hmm. But actually, through the cross, victory was won. So mm-hmm. I think sometimes if we can find the fruit that God has for us in those places of what we would look at as failure, what the world would look at as failure, there's something much richer and deeper that's taking mm-hmm. place 
inwardly in our heart or in a relationship. It looks like failure on the outside, but there's great victory on the inside. Or there's a long-term fruit of victory that comes from this temporary setback that looks like failure. Yeah. Yeah. And I would encourage people that in this place of, of loss, in this place, wherever you're at in terms of loss, you're losing. You hear us saying, like, learn to, learn to yield, learn to surrender, learn to lose. And in some ways, it sounds like it's an anti-biblical narrative mm-hmm. because you're like, no, I'm more than a conqueror. Right. I'm supposed to overcome and things like that. And, and we're not saying you won't overcome. Yeah. We're not saying you won't conquer, but we're saying it's through Christ. Exactly. And through Christ, I have strength. Through Christ, I have victory. Through Christ, I can do all things. But without him, I can do nothing. So it's speaking to this threshold doorway we've got to walk through to get to victory. Submit to God, resist the devil, he'll flee. Victory comes through submission. Victory or resurrection comes through die to self, become alive in Christ. You can't access conquering victory, any of those things without a death. And in those places of surrender and submission, you also discover a place of perseverance. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, before the surrender submission, you feel like, God, this can't go on more than a day or a week or, but when we truly surrender that, like we fully release it to God, it's like, okay, God, in your timing, I'm going to trust you. I'd like mm-hmm. it to be done now. I'm going to trust you. And every day I'm going to come back just as Jesus taught, keep knocking, keep asking, yeah. keep seeking. So this place of perseverance grows through places of surrender and submission. Yeah. That doesn't mean I'm laying down my faith for breakthrough. I'm actually looking mm-hmm. forward to breakthrough, but on the way to the miracle, on the way to breakthrough, I'm, I'm growing in my trust with God. I'm growing in my intimacy with God and I'm continually bringing before him the thing that I would like to see out of it without losing heart. Mm-hmm. See, surrender and submission helps me not lose heart. I mm-hmm. can persevere. I can endure. I can stay in long suffering of love. Mm-hmm. All those things that are really, really beautiful treasures of scripture, the things that God calls us to come through surrender and submission. Mm. Okay. So in finishing, I want to encourage everybody listening to to go through a process personally and also to cultivate it in your family, um, a, a, uh, an identification of your patterns of anger, what causes it, and then go and find the root. Find the root of it and then work with God on a surrender of that outcome, that that threat is promising it'll have and that you're using fear to protect or to win something and give you power. Surrender that power. Surrender the outcome to God and trust in him to supply to you according to his riches and glory, to supply to you grace and mercy, to supply to you the things needed for uh, your life. Uh, And there's a great trust I want to invite you to with the Lord Uh, and really being humble to find these things in your life. Allow God to speak to you, to show you any wicked way that exists in your heart. And then to teach your kiddos the same thing and to show them how you do it. Like show them the process you go through with God and tell them about the points of anger you've had, the points of anger you're having and what you're doing to work with God on them and really showing them this pathway, really showing them this language and this approach, not of perceived perfection, mom and dad are perfect because that bubble is going to burst some point. You might be able to hide it for a while, but that bubble is going to burst. And if you haven't given a nice context for them to understand that in your imperfection, you are yielded to God and that you are growing, then they won't understand the, what it really means to have this fullness of fathering and mothering and this fullness of a person. So trust God with who you are. Trust God to teach your kids to go through a process as you walk it out with them. 
and with your spouse as well. If you find patterns of anger in your marriage, don't just let them fester and continue and perpetuate over time, but really, really diligently seek them out and become a detective like Tim talked about. What's causing this? Why? And stop blaming your spouse and really let your energy go to looking within and asking God, show me. And if you need to get help, counseling, therapy or such, great. It's awesome. Do it. Thankfully, in this modern day, there's not a stigma on those things. And uh, it's pretty widely accepted as a great partnership in your life. Um, There's other ways to get help too. Good pastors or wise counsel, other means. Tim does a great thing called Heart Freedom. Um, and uh, these partnerships are so, so, so valuable and uh, engaging in all these things. So we've done eight, eight episodes to partner with your family in different ways. Uh, you can continue to study th- these things out in scripture or to get resources in other ways. We want to encourage you that like eight weeks, even if you've been doing it diligently, uh, is not the end of your journey of growth. Uh, these are hopefully sparks to what is a really beautiful lifestyle with Jesus of continued daily and weekly growth uh, as a person and as a family. We really love you guys. Uh, give us feedback. If you have any thoughts, topics that you'd like to see uh, us create and curate content for in the future for studies, uh, you're amazing and uh, look forward to partnering with you in the future. Thank you for listening to the mountain podcast. The Mountain Church is located in Las Vegas, Nevada, with services happening every Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. If you'd like to know more about the Mountain Church, please visit us at themtnchurch.com or watch one of our services on YouTube. Again, thank you for tuning in.